Good morning. Is that Colin on the line? Yes, it is. Colin, welcome to uh, Calgary Business Podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, you inviting me. It's my pleasure. You know, this this is episode number 155, and I don't know if you can print that large of a number on your, your machines. <laughs> <laughs> That's Well, congratulations on that. That's great. Yeah, it's a nice round number. But look, so seriously, you're, 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 you're printing, your company's called Print Your Mind 3D. I mean, it's a pretty cool name. Thank you. Yes. It so, seemed uh, self-explanatory. You actually came up with it on a road trip when I was with my wife. But the 3D, so, but you could have, I mean, it's, it, you've been around 3D for a while, it looks like. The 3D printing, is it? Yeah, I've been in the industry since around 2014. Yeah. So in the, in the grand scale of things, it's not a, a ton of time, but in terms yeah. of desktop 3D printing in an industry as new as desktop 3D printing, it is a, a fair amount of experience. But you're not like a printer. You didn't grow up working for the Xerox and all like, like I mean, surely you should have been, you should be called yourself Xerox. Should you not have spent 20, 30 years in Xerox, with Xerox printing, normal printing? And then you, you earned your, you know, your keep, as it were. You're, you earned your stripes. Yeah, I've always been interested in technology that I yeah. think is going to change the world for the better. Yeah. So I actually previously used to work in uh, renewable energy. Yeah. And then when I heard about, well, actually, while I was in business school, I heard about, I was in a, a class called Fundamentals of Investments. So yeah. at that point, I got to pick the right stocks to get a good grade. And at the time, back in, I, that would have been almost 2012, 2013, yeah. a lot of the publicly traded 3D printing stocks got a ton of hype and they were just exploding. So that kind of got me first interested and realized ah, so at some like, point there. You weren't just, you weren't tinkering with a, an old printer and said, how can I make, you were li- literally, you looked at it from the investment side. Originally, yeah. The first yeah. thing that I even heard about 3D printers yeah. was because of the stocks. And then Amazing. I started learning more about, you know, like what makes this company different than this one? Why are their printers different? Yeah. Then I bought my first printer. I realized that, you know, this is something if I want to <laughs> get involved with this, because I think it's going to change the world. Um, I, I just got to kind of bite the bullet, get one and, and see what I can start doing with it. And, but that yeah, was before that's, that's how so you got one first. Got, got started first before you before you started the business. You had one to tinker with at home. Colin, am I losing? Did you hear me? No. Yeah, you cut out for a second there. So I, I was can saying you, now. you you bought one. You bought one on your own before you started the business. Yeah. So I first bought the printer, um, and I foolishly it was this is the first company I ever started. <laughs> I kind of imagine they were were expensive in those early days. They must have been much more expensive than they are today. Well, the one I bought, I bought a small kind of desktop one, but it's the first, I I made a lot of mistakes starting. It's my first company. I was somewhat fresh out of, or actually very fresh out of uh, business school. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I decided I was going to quit my job at the time, bought a printer, and I was just going to run this thing 24-7 and make a living out of it. And (laughs) I very quickly learned that that was not going to be possible um so i had to start adapting very quickly to be sure. able to uh to make things work but so i mean if you go back i go back to those early days i mean i do remember it because i was overseas and you'd kind of hear about the reports and and then you know we were living in dubai and you know people were talking about it but they're really expensive and it was it wasn't something you just kind of kind of get in the drone in those early days it was something that was more of a toy with no real real practical application what was your first what was the first real kind of thing you said yeah this is going to do it and sort of scale did you scale something or was well it- what 
what happened was so there was previous incumbents so some of the big companies stratasys 3d systems some right. of the original publicly traded companies i believe 3d systems got the first patent on uh, a 3d printer and right. because they had a patent all the, everything's proprietary so the filament's proprietary the process is proprietary and right. they had everything locked down so you, could, you, could even act, you could even sort of say, I like what they're doing. I'm going to do it on a better, just a little bit better. You just didn't have access to that. Well, yeah, because what happened, these companies originally, when they held the patents, yeah. they were very, very expensive. So everything was basically commercial. So it was all, you know, 50 to 100,000 plus machines entry. Yeah. That's the, you can't even start anywhere below That's that. Crazy. But, but what happened was in the early, um, in the 2000s, what happens was those patents expired. Okay. And so a lot of these companies decided that they're going to take what is a commercial large expensive yeah. and make these little kits and they're going to shrink it down, make it a desktop 3D printer. So now you can actually get something small and actually is a kit that you put together yourself. Right. Um, something that used to be very proprietary, large commercial cost a lot. All of a sudden now it's, you know, a, a fraction of what it used to cost. So now it's accessible to, People like myself. So I think um, my very first printer I bought, yeah. that would have been, again, it was 2013, 2014. Right. I bought it, it was around 2000 US dollars. Right. So for me at the time, that was a huge investment, but it's still in the scale of things. It's not, it's not crazy. So once these companies were able, once the patents expired and sure. the, the kind of world of desktop 3D printing became a thing, um, that's what kind of where I got started in the industry and at like that I, point, it's a lot more accessible to individuals and businesses. So, I, I mean, I'm going back. You take that price range. I mean, today you can buy a Peloton, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you go back way back, three, it was $3,500 Canadian way back when to buy our first, you know, I'm going back when I was in university, Calgary, and it was just, it was three, $4,000. And, like, and those things were obsolete within a, a year or two. So anyway, just giving you right. some perspective. Um, so what was the first thing that you kind of said, like where you first got your, some clients and traction I and mean, if you can share that. So I, again, when I first started, my yeah. idea was I'm going to have this printer and I'm going to do printing as a service. So I'm going to be printing for other people. Yeah. Um, and the, the real benefit of a 3d printer is in prototyping, being able to rapidly produce prototypes yeah. or things that are very custom quickly. So what it's not good for, if you want to make a million of the exact same thing, a 3D yeah. printer isn't ideal for that. But if you want to, you know, design something very custom, very unique, or you're sure. still in the prototyping phase, you can make slight adjustments to your design, print it, be able to hold that prototype in your hand yeah. very cost effectively compared to old things, like even small run injection molding or machining. So one of the first things I actually made um, again, I used to work in renewable energy. I made these little chargers, um, a little solar charger. So it had lithium ion rechargeable batteries and yep. a little solar panel on top that I could oh, right. you know, charge my cell phone from. But I could customize it so it would say print your mind 3D on the side and I could sell nice. branded products. <laughs> um, but then I realized that, you know, people started contacting me. They don't want my logo on it. They want their, their logo, logo on it. Right. Yeah. And so it was a very quick, simple change to take my logo off and throw yeah. somebody else's logo on or stick somebody's name on it. Yeah. So that's kind of how things started was I started getting requests for these kind of custom, unique, 
different products, um, but it all started from that little that little charger. Is that right? I mean, I literally last the last company I worked for in in Qatar was a solar. They made solar technology or uh, polysilicon, and it was it was a plant that was supposed to build. But literally, the German. I don't know if you heard of Solar World, uh, and I learned a ton on the solar industry. So it's ironic that your first was a solar charger because I mean, it's still kind of we had this unique because we lived in the Middle East. Uh, those solar kind of, um, you know, for charging your phones and so forth. So, Interesting. Still, yeah, do you still make those or is that kind of something that's gone on the way, wayside? Yeah, I've changed the business a lot. So now the yeah. focus is on, I, I'm a reseller for the manufacturer. So now I sell the printers as opposed to printing oh. as a service. Yeah. So you pivoted from the original making at scale of whatever it is. You're like, you're now this, because you're an expert. I imagine you're just an expert of... How you know for someone to use it at the home or an industrial use is that the is that the case because now you're as a seller that's well, pretty cool yeah one of the things I realized very quickly and again I made a lot of mistakes early on but one of the first things was so I thought I could just run this machine twenty four seven and make enough money to make a living yeah. but the yeah. thing is a lot of these you know some of these little chargers they could it could take me ten fifteen hours to print but I can only charge like $60 for it. So even right. if this thing's running 24 seven, that's only 120, yeah. you know, maybe $120 in over 24 hours of printing. So you need to either have a fleet of printers or have a very different business model. So that's when I started. Yeah. Changing to outselling ah. materials and stuff instead of trying to um, print as a service. Yeah. I understand. There's, there was one a couple of years ago, and I don't know if you you've obviously picked that or maybe understood. There was that uh, for the space shuttle. They were just they were sending three D printer with the materials instead of print instead of bringing spare parts. They had the printer on board. I don't know if you you're familiar with that or yeah. There's a company called Made in Space, and they're working with NASA to. I believe yes, they do have a printer. It's a specially adapted yeah. one to work in zero gravity um, up on the International Space Station because yeah, a lot of times. You know, up in space, space is limited. Um, so if yeah, you have a bunch of yeah. tools that are obsolete or you only need on yeah. a very rare occasion, then that's taking up a lot of space that could otherwise be used much better. So being able to have a digital it and then just print yeah. on demand the parts that you need is that's a huge incredible. advantage. And yeah, that, that same idea is being applied in businesses all over the world who are now using uh, 3D printing. So I mean, is it? I mean, the plastic is kind of the the use the, the case I have in my head. But surely there's they've they've gotten to the point where metal and other kind of what are you gonna call it pro, the types of product. I'm not an expert. I'm I'm an accountant. <laughs> but well, I mean, what do you you know what was, what's the range on, on a typical printer? Well, the thing to understand is there are hundreds of different technologies that fall under the term 3D printing. So the thing to just yeah. kind of taking a step back, a 3D printer is a device that uses the process of additive manufacturing, which is the opposite of subtractive manufacturing. So subtractive manufacturing is things like woodworking. You use a saw and you take away material yep. from wood yep. to arrive at your final model or a CNC machine where you stop, start with a block of aluminum, then you take material away until you arrive at your final model. So additive right. manufacturing can be done in many different ways or many different technologies but the base idea is you're starting with a blank canvas and then slowly adding material to it to build up your final model. So there are many different kinds of 3D printers. The ones that I okay. primarily work with 
are called FDM or FFF, which is fused deposition modeling or fused <laughs> yeah. filament fabrication. So okay. basically they're hot glue guns attached to a computer. Oh, okay. yeah. So when you boil it down, it's a hot glue gun attached to a computer. And so this technology, there is, when you're talking about FDM, there's a couple, quite a range of materials starting from really basic thermoplastics like PLA or ABS. Um, right. ABS is used in a lot of things like plumbing. It's a... That's not like, so that's not to be confused with your abs and then ab work. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I saw that on your website and I'm like, I'm going to, I wrote that down as abs. I didn't know what it was, but I was going to say exactly what I thought of. Okay. Yeah, ABS is. So, a, what does ABS stand for? What does it stand I, for? I wish I could tell you. That's one. I know PLA is polylactic acid. ABS, I actually don't okay. know what the, it stands for. I can tell you all the qualities of the material, um, but I actually yeah. don't know what the acronym is. Um, but PLA and ABS are some of the more basic materials used. Now, yeah. those are kind of the more common ones, but you can start getting into things. Um, they'll infuse things like wood. So they'll take sawdust and infuse it into PLA. Or they'll take powder, no copper, so like bronze. A pressed... That's incredible. So the, the sawdust and then that kind of, that, what is it, gyprock, the board. You, they actually make some kind of a gyprock type of material? No, so the, the finished product is still PLA. It's still a plastic. But okay. these yeah. different filled materials allow you to get the aesthetics of things like wood, uh, copper, bronze. Yeah, yeah. So you do some post-processing. So things like wood fill, you can actually sand and stain it. And it smells like you're in a wood shop when you're printing it. But at the base of wow. it, if you touch it, you knock it, it's still plastic. So That's incredible. Um, yeah, those are the kind of the base. Then you can get into more higher grade things like polycarbonate, um, carbon fiber, nylons. Yeah. And then there is certainly, now there are um, printers that are, can certainly capable of many different kinds of metals um, one of the ones interesting things actually happening in fdm or desktop fdm which is kind of the smaller scale that i work in is they're right. now actually bringing things like the ability to print metal so they've you they're using things that is previously used in metal injection molding so you can yeah. print the part basically it's a material that's 80 percent metal 20 percent binder and so you can print it on a regular small desktop machine. Then you take that finished right. part, you put it into a catalytic debinder, and then you okay. center it at about 1,400 Fahrenheit. And then what you're left yeah. with is a final metal part. And very soon... Because you need that heat. So this, your machine is heating up. Is it, the, the parts of the machine must be also kind of this um, you know, Terminator type of technology. It's, it must, itself must be full of high-tech equipment, like the polymer, whatever you want to call it, polymers and metals yeah. to take that, withstand that heat. So those ones for the metals specifically, no. So the, the printer is yeah. only going to get up to around 300 C, the nozzle. Okay. But then the finished part you send away to be post-processed. So that you go to these post-processing places that work with um, metal injection molding. So they have these catalytic uh, okay. binders and then sintering right. ovens. So that is a, an external process that has to happen after you uh, print the part. But... But you get the basic core. You start at the corn shell or whatever it is, and you send it off for, for final processing. Yeah. Is, yours, is that beginning part the most expensive? And you, you go back to your term, the additive or addition you add on manufacturing. Is that the most expensive part traditionally? And now you've, you've scaled that down or your, the, the, the desktop device allows for a much more affordable printing of that piece? Yeah. So I guess it, to be able to print that metal, I mean, tech, you could yeah. do it on a, maybe like a $500 printer you buy on Amazon versus yeah. 
any sort of an entry-level metal 3D printer is going to be, I would estimate, at least 100 grand. So, yeah, now you can, the ability of this, that material, it's by a company called BASF. They're just commercializing it. Oh, yeah, Bastard. Yeah, yeah. so. I think, yeah, I think they, didn't just, they, I met with Calgary Economic Development CEO Mary Moran a few, a few months back, and she said, I think Bastard just sent, set up a uh, plant here in Calgary. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, really? Yeah, I could be wrong, but, uh, or maybe it was another, another, <laughs> it was another company, but, yeah, well, Bass is a big German chemical. And Massive company. Yeah. yeah, so they, they're just commercializing this material that allows you to kind of recreate this process, which kind of just like what happened with the patents. Previously, you'd have to have a very large, very expensive commercial system right. to be able to print in metal. And now that's entering the world of desktop. So a lot of people are excited so about I'm looking- that. Colin, I'm looking at your your uh, at your website, and the, the the main says here's not the main. Your site says who uses our products, and it seems to be a lot of focus on the universities. Is that is that a research kind of focus, or we work with a lot of post secondaries. Um, most yeah. of the time, it's going to be in archi- the schools will be within either architecture or engineering. We'll work with those schools okay. or medicine, I suppose. Those three faculties okay. would be the ones that we'd be primarily working with to get set up with machines. But presumably there's a, there's a huge tech element here. And I mean, to actually put it into the, the software, the kind of the CAD dry drawing and, but to produce that 3d, there's a lot of integration with tech. Is that well now safe to say, or now the printers have reached uh, certainly as somewhat of a tipping point where they have there. I don't want to quite say plug and play. There's still, there's a learning curve. But they're getting sure. much, much closer to that than, you know, that first printer that I bought six years ago. So they have automated calibration. They can send print jobs wirelessly. They have sensors yeah. that'll detect if your filament's running out. Uh, none of that of used to exist in some of the early ones. So now they're much easier to use, much more reliable. So yeah, I would say, yeah, for somebody who's just getting started, you're going to have a much higher success rate now than you would have, you know, like with my first printer. But I guess you're because your first, you thought you'd make a business. Do, do, do other, do other, and I say naive, but do people come in with that same, uh, that enthusiasm or that the industry's kind of evolved and, and now it's like only the real hardcore people who come in and say, and grab that, that printer off the shelf and say, I can make a business of it. I, I, does it still that, that opportunity exist? In a, for the, the certainly in a sense, and now the interesting thing is these you know 3D printers are very common in junior high and high schools, so they're becoming a much oh, more right. like I still remember when I when I first started doing trade shows, um, you know, showing a 3D printer to somebody six years ago, it was a lot yeah. more like ooh ah you know I've only seen this in YouTube videos, <laughs> and now when I do a trade show, you know, a parent will walk yeah. by, it's like oh yeah, my kid's high school has got ten of those things. It's it's not. They're becoming much more commonplace in a lot of different more places. Ubiquitous. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. and that's been beneficial for my business, certainly, because I've been part of that, sure. that process. Um, but going back to your earlier question, is there a lot of tech involved? So they've, there certainly is, but it's all, a lot of it's behind the scenes. And the other thing to remember is the process of developing your model of CADing, of designing, yeah. is completely separate than the printing. So you have to already have that file 
in order to put it okay. into the software for the 3D printer. But now the printers have a lot of integrated technology. The software, the preparation software is much more advanced so that you're going to have, right. have a much higher chance of success. Because you know, of you, speaking of the junior high level, there was a, I don't know if you saw that floating around. It was a boy from Okotoks, and I, I wish I had the, the link. It was a, it was a LinkedIn uh, feed, and there's the Okotoks. I couldn't, never, I couldn't reach out to the, I couldn't find that, that family. But literally, the boy was printing. He did like 100. Uh, 13-year-old boy printed some kind of the, the face mask, you know, for that that they're using. I don't know if you, you saw that article or you heard about I believe that. he was doing the ear savers. Yeah, the, the, the cool thing about 3D printing is there's a massive community around. And when somebody has a 3D printer, they now have the means yeah. of production. They have one machine that can make a whole lot of different stuff. And because a yeah. lot of these files, they're open source. So they're free for anybody to download and um, improve upon and, and print. Things like... With everything that's going on with COVID, people have been able to print things like these face shields uh, yeah. and the ear savers too. So they re basically relieve the tension on the ears from face masks. Oh, okay. So, but is it because of the community? Is there like the global community is a lot smaller? Even though there's a global community, there's a, if you own a 3D printer, you can tap into that that network, the social network, I guess. Yeah, it? there's a massive global community of people uh, who 3D print specifically for, um, you know, in case it's right now, it's very apparent. There are so yep. many people who are stepped up and all that they're yep. using their printers for is produce PPE for places who need it, which is, it's nice. incredible. Now the, well, then there's your, see, that's the scale. If you take, I don't know if you heard of Etsy model, but I, I was listening to a podcast a while back uh, and it was about the Etsy it was a global community of people that were producing kind of gifts and, you know, handiwork and crafts. Yeah. This sounds like there's your scalability, right? There. Well, and this is a, yeah, sorry. No, Ed, I, I'm sorry for interrupting you there. Sorry. I'm, I'm getting excited. No, 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 I, feel, no, no. <laughs> I love talking about this. I'm sorry. <laughs> so am I. I'm sorry. So am I. But that's why the poster, we got to, we got to, we got to calm down here. Yeah. Colin. Okay. okay I apologize. Um, yeah. So the nice no, thing no, about no. it being, uh, open source is that there are all these websites. Uh, one's called Thingiverse. There's one called My Mini Factory. There are these websites where yeah. the same way that you download a song from iTunes, you can download these all the files to be able to produce this PPE so that anybody with a 3D printer, all they have to do is download this file nice. and now they're making face shields. Yeah. They're making you know, all sorts of things that are very much in demand right now. So that community and the fact that you know it's available on this website completely digitally that you can then turn into a yep. physical object so somebody could be designing yep. this thing like for example the face shields um, one of the predominant ones is from this company called prusa and they actually work right. with the, they're in czech republic and they worked with the ministry of health there locally to actually get this thing certified within them um, by the governing medical bodies locally there yeah, and once yeah. they did, they released it open source. So in that sense, the second they have a file in the Czech Republic, they put it online. I can then download Globally, it and everyone's produce it, it in Calgary instantly, yeah. or not instantly, as long as it takes to print something. But I can get that file right. and start turning that into something physical right away. So this is that's incredible. So if you if you step back and you take that those two pieces together, the time that people are, they've they've collaborated on the PPE. 
they're collaborating already on an open source community. In my view, from just listening to you, I didn't even think of this, but there's a huge opportunity to scale to take that. You, you got to give me the name of that Czech Republic. Is it is it P R U S P R U S A Prusa? I believe the their full name is Prusa Research. So they actually they manufacture three yeah. D printers. And another interesting thing yeah. is parts there. It's kind of a more hobbyist uh, type of printer, but sure. a lot of the printers use three D printed parts. So they have farms of hundreds of printers that are running nonstop no printing parts yeah. for the 3D printers that they're going to sell. Yep. Yeah. But that's an Etsy. See, that's, that's that Etsy thing. So I listened to the podcast. I'm going to send you that link because you'll get it. You'll understand. So the, po- the podcast was the woman, the founder of, uh, uh, gosh, I can't remember. She was on the, the economies of scale, or, uh, Masters yeah. of Scale. And Reid often said, you can't scale that. And so she went, they went there, their network across the globe and said, we need to make whatever it is, dolls for Christmas, hand wood, wood carved dolls for Chris, this Christmas order. And apparently, you know, someone in Sweden, someone in Norway, someone in Australia, and they came together. And that was the, the founding of the, the Etsy model, which I didn't know that was the name of Etsy until I described that. to someone. Right. So it's literally that's there's your community come together right there uh, in the, the PPE. But imagine then you all your little. I mean, your PDF, it wasn't called FDMs and your ABSs are of the world. Suddenly, these are things will come out of the woodwork or out of the, the plastic. Yeah. Work. Well, and one of the really cool, one of the things that I did early on when I was working, um, trying to print as a service, is there's this company called 3D Hubs. And so the model is yeah. like... Oh, that's your... Okay, because, yeah, that's, I want to ask you about that. Go ahead. So Sorry. the model... No, okay. it's okay. Um, the model is the same as Airbnb. So people have a 3D printer that they're not using. Basically, they can put their service up through 3D hubs. And now through 3D hubs, they can now run their prints or like basically 3D hubs brings them customers to print and they can charge for it. And then 3D hubs takes a small portion of that. Now, they've changed their model. They've kind of closed it down um, since I originally got started with them. But that that was yeah. the idea. So through 3D hubs, you could log on there, and whether you were in Germany, Australia, yeah. Calgary, um, you could log in and find a local 3D hub who could print for you. Yeah. Wow. So it's like a network. It's just, again a membership type of a maybe a club clubish like. <laughs> if you got a 3D printer or you knew, I don't know. This is incredible. But that, that's what because you, you were part of. Yeah. That. The 3D Hubs Calgary. Yes. Edmonton. Yeah, I was involved with them for, okay. for a long time. And then again, they recently, they kind of changed their model. They closed it down. So it's not, anybody yeah. can't just sign up and benefit from their network. But that, that's how it all started. Well, I was thinking that you could print a bed if you came, you know, you went into a youth hostel. You printed a bed like an Airbnb. <laughs> and then you had everything. You just needed a mattress or something soft to lay on because you got the hard 3D printed bed. But maybe that's a little bit too... Uh, too far yeah, fetched. things that large would be challenging unless you had a massive <laughs> 3D printer, which you can. Like they are, they're printing things like houses. I know there's a company in China that, um, yeah. or actually now it's becoming a lot more commonplace. But I, I remember it was three or four years ago. There's a company who had a, a printer that could extrude concrete. Um, that yeah, you could oh, wow. basically frame a house. They were able to frame ten <laughs> small houses in 24 hours. Now, obviously, those houses yeah. aren't. They still have to have plumbing and electrical. Like there has to be a lot of process done sure. afterwards. But you could imagine in a disaster where, you know, all of a sudden thousands right. of people are displaced and they need at least some sort of temporary or semi-permanent housing. You can use something like that to produce 
a lot of housing very quickly. No, I think, you know, this goes to what you just said there. Uh, Lewis, Mika Lewison, he was on my podcast earlier this year and he, he created a home in a bag, but it came from kind of like your experience with, maybe it wasn't your experience, but there was a project that's, yeah, it was, you kind of did a project, but he did a project. I can't remember what, what, uh, what the school was, but he was, because of his experience in Haiti with a disaster, he then came up with this idea for a home in a bag. And it's just lightweight, pla- a lot of plastics. I'm thinking some of those, those parts could be produced on a printer because he's, he, he, I don't know, he was part of Startup Calgary cohort and uh, I caught wind of that. He was even on featured on CTV. So when you said that, it was like, I think there's, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link you two together because I think there's an opportunity if you could print some of his parts or you'll know somebody in that 3D hubs type of. Yeah, network. that's fantastic. Yeah. I, as soon as you said that in a disaster, I'm thinking, but even his is, it's, it's really a, it's, it's kind of cool. And he went, if you, t- I'm sorry to go off of, you know, this, a little bit of a tangent, but he was, he literally was featured because he took this bag. He'd learned from the homeless people in Calgary and went to about what would you need? What would you need this to do? And so I, I think this has got a, it's got scalability, but that's fantastic. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, Colin, look, I, I really, you've given a lot of thought here. Um, how can people find you? How can people find the, I mean, I found you easy, but maybe not so easy for others. So printyourmind3d.ca is the website. Um, Facebook, yeah. Twitter, Instagram at printyourmind3d. So you're pretty much social media because the one thing you didn't say was your YouTube channel. You've got a YouTube yeah. channel that's, uh, and you got some subscribers there. Is it, are, is the people that are using, like, are you, are you doing like YouTube how to print or what is it more, is it a little less uh, sophisticated? No, most of the stuff on YouTube is it's troubleshooting or how to, it's printer specific knowledge. It's not necessarily, yeah. you know, like if you're interested in 3d printing, you can just start kind of tune in there and, and learn a lot. It's if you have a printer and you ha- have specific problems, um, that's right yeah. now. Now, one of the things we're realizing is the YouTube channel is a lot of people watch it. We've made a lot of videos that people seem to benefit from. So certainly something that will be, will be growing in the future. You know, I just had uh, well, I had a podcast yesterday with the occupational therapist. Uh, I got, you know, literally she was talking with the kids at home, Renee Schilmover. So she was talking about how the kids, what do you have at your home? As opposed to here's some toys because everybody's stuck at home. And we were just talking about, I, I suggest she does a, a YouTube video where she shows other kids what, you know, just what, you know, here's a typical pile of things around your home. And maybe there's your, what are you going to the hardware store for? Why? Here you go. I, I can print it for you. But you're, I mean, you've got a different model. You're doing your manufacturer, you're reselling. Uh, but there's, I, I, well, I think there's some real opportunity for people to do things like that. You know, what do you got in your home? What do you need to, from your home? And not to take the business away from hardware stores, but it's certainly, uh, some, I just can't find things. You got to go to three, four stores, and I'm like, God, if I could only just find this, like on a 3D hub. <laughs> no, Colin, I think I lost you. Colin, hello. Hey, Colin. Sorry, somehow we we got to, the the connection went bad. That's the, the beauty of working from home. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what uh, what you caught there at the end. We were just talking about your YouTube channel. Yeah, I heard um, you were mentioning. Uh, people can, you know, use this to make things at home, or yeah, you can no, make no, things yeah, at home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was, you know, the, not to take away from the hardware, 
stores, but you know, maybe some that you know, there's a channel for you to do get, taking back from the kids occupational therapy fix because Renee's working from home and a lot of her families are also joining on Zoom calls. And I just thought, wow, to show kids how to do games with the toys they have versus buying new toys. And I thought, wouldn't that be wonderful if I could, instead of some of the small parts that I need to buy or, you know, the plugs for the hanging pictures, if I could just print that. <laughs> or the, you know. Well, sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, go ahead. Yes, you're absolutely right. And that's something that I think is going to become more and more prevalent in the future. And it's, it's slowly starting. So one of the things and examples, um, warranty for, you know, your dishwasher yeah. or some pieces like that. So normally those little parts, if you need one little part, like a wheel for your dishwasher, That's for right. example, most likely the manufacturer has those manufactured in China. It then has to go on a boat or by air, fly yeah. all the way to you for this, you know, 10 cent part in the future. And this is something again, that's just starting to happen right. is what the manufacturer can do is give you access to the file that and you could then 3d print that part locally. Yeah. And you can cut out that whole other process of needing to injection mold on the other side of the world and then ship that tiny little part. Sure. So th that's something that is really starting to become more prevalent and, some companies are starting to catch on and offer things like that, you know, a warranty or certain parts um, as part of your warranty, which are 3D printable. And once you buy the product, you get access to the file depository. Well, that's interesting. So, look, since we're on that topic, and I know I'm cogs of your time here, but literally the plastic printing of, you know, the hand cases. We were in, we were in Russia and we have our family in, in Russia and they order all the, the, the you know, for the 3D phones, uh, 3D phones. For the for the uh, iPhones and Samsungs, those mm -hmm. those phone covers are not produced. Nobody produces them. That they don't have the plastic moldings to produce them in Russia, so they're ordering them all in from China. Uh, and to your point, I think there's a massive. Uh, I guess you bring it local. You bring that whatever it is. That's just an example I'm aware of. But uh, that's interesting. Yes, it's okay. taking away from that that model of centralized manufacturing. Yeah. And now it's switching to a much more local. And uh, another example I always use when I'm giving presentations is car right. manufacturing. So there was one company um, at a, lo they're called Local Motors, and they 3D printed the world's first, or they made the world's first 3D printed electric vehicle. So they obviously didn't 3D print the engine yeah. uh, and a few other mechanical parts. But other than that, the body and a lot of the components, they basically, they had this massive 3D printer. Yeah. And during a live trade show, over the span of three or four days, they printed this frame. Right. Once it was done, they put the parts in like the motor and they drove this thing off the line at That's this incredible. manufacturing show. So, you know, currently, so if you buy a Honda in Calgary, it, it was the same thing as what is describing with that part. It's manufactured yeah. in a plant yeah. far, far away, shipped and then sent here. In the future, if you buy a car from Honda in Calgary, it could be made by Honda in Calgary. Just basically things like the, the, the manufacturing. Yeah, the, the added manufacturing. That's just, just brilliant. So that, there's, a, there's the scale. The scalability is allow you to produce locally and not have to ship. There's your cost savings right there. And if you can do that, it makes your – you're going back to your printer. You bought it. You know, back then you could have done 24 hours a day because you could have filled order for cars or, or the hardware stores or all that. But you didn't, that didn't exist. Yeah, there's a lot of complexity that would go into making – Something like I just explained yeah. happen on at a full scale, but yeah. the concept is feasible. 
and we're getting closer and closer. Really? You know, it's been there's been a proof of concept for that exact model. So things are happening and, and moving in that direction. But if you combine it with the 3D hub and the network, the social global network that's come together for PPE under COVID-19, you suddenly have scalable little businesses running really profitable on a very, you know, if, if I, you know, I, I don't know, there's just, I think if somebody really thought down, you, you and I can sit down and talk about this because I think there's, there's a huge opportunity for small businesses to thrive, maybe not thrive, but at least make a living out of this one. So. We'll Absolutely. Take... Well, Colin, really, this is fun. And I didn't even get to talk about your, t- your trip to Italy and your little university of, what's it called? Bolzano? Bozen, yeah. University of Bozen. Bozen that okay. was a, a great experience. <laughs> yeah. That's for podcast episode 279 for, the, for, for those listening. Thank, Colin, thanks so much uh, for taking your time today. And I, I really appreciate it. This has opened my eyes for sure. For yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the invitation. And uh, yeah, I, I can talk about 3D printing all day. So I really appreciate uh, the opportunity and it's been great chatting with you. Good. Thanks, Colin. Have a, have a great day and stay safe. Thank you. You as well. All right. Bye-bye.